0: Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch.
1: And I'm your other host, Dungeon Master Neil, aka Joke maniac I normally don't say Dungeon Master, but I did. Here we go.
0: <laughs> Every time I say it, I... Throw you off, and yep. I partially say it that way to throw you off. Little Perfect. secret there. <laughs> so, Neil, we have a awesome guest today. We have Eric, and this last name is no joke Eric Skull is joining us today. Yes. He is from Muggle Cast, the podcast. Go check that out if you are a Harry Potter fan. If you're not a Harry Potter fan, like my buddy Neil here, get into Harry Potter because it's awesome. But
1: he is a seasoned podcaster. Ten years in the game, <laughs> when you, back when you sent podcasts via Carrier Pigeon, for all I know.
0: <laughs> carrier owl, Neil, oh. come on. Oh. Anyway, Eric is here today to talk with us about Schools of the Arcane, and when I say Schools of the Arcane, any classic d and D'er is going, oh, so like the types of magic, no, no, no. I'm talking Hogwarts. I'm talking Magic Universities. I'm talking colleges where wizards go to learn spells. That's what Eric Skull is here to talk with us about today. But before we jump into that discussion, Neil, I believe we have some five-star
1: reviews. We do. And they are from Down Under. These two five-star reviews will come from Australia. This one is... A five-star review entitled, Great Podcast for Running D&D. And I think it's from someone called Ryan 74 (laughs) Uh, No, it's one of our amazing listeners and awesome person that interacts with us all the time, Blake Ryan, 74. But he says, hosts and guests draw upon their own games, experiences, books, films, and computer games to flesh out items, group issues, creatures, gods, and story concepts in a relaxed and informative way. Every episode will give you ideas to use or tools to fix problems in your games. Useful for new and old DMs alike. With any addition of D&D or Pathfinder, next to the DMG, this is the most useful resource a DM could ask for. Man. Thank you, Blake Ryan.
0: We've had a couple people say, the next to the DMG, this is the most useful resource, and... Every time it's still like, wow, thanks. That's just such such high praise. We really, really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, and because of that, we're going to go ahead and print out the audio version of all of ours (laughs) and print it. So you can Uh, literally... The transcript. (laughs) Yeah, the the audio transcript from all episodes in a hardcover... No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, thank oh you. It goodness. is the That'd highest of praise.
0: <laughs> Our next one comes from another awesome listener, Neb1078, and is entitled So many ideas, 5 stars. Every episode is brimming with brilliant stuff. I think you could have four players without a DM all around the table listening to this podcast and probably have a pretty decent game. Recommend start from the beginning. It's all good stuff. Thank you, Neb. I'd love to mm-hmm. see that acted out. I, yeah. That would <laughs> let be let an interesting experiment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and with that, let's head to the meat. I'm starving.
2: We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Yeah. Why can't we have some meats? The like meat back on the menu,
1: boys. <laughs> So, as we said, today on The Meet, we have one of the coolest last names that we've had thus far on the show. We have Eric Skull with us, host of the MuggleCast podcast and editor of the Improvised Star Trek podcast, here to talk with us about Schools of the Arcane. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys.
0: So, Eric, just to start off, we're going to ask you a couple questions. And to start off, we want to just ask you, tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to tell us, whether that's... A little bit about MuggleCast, a little bit about your obsession with Harry Potter and the (laughs) Harry Potter universe, or uh, anything else that you think you'd like the listeners to know.
2: Awesome. Well, uh, guys, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, My name is Eric Skull. I currently live in Chicago, Illinois, greatest city in the world, but uh, I'm a longtime podcast (laughs) host. As the guys mentioned, I... I basically was one of the beginning, or one of the early co-hosts on MuggleCast, which started in 2005, and that perfectly uh, encapsulated my love for her, for the boy wizard. So I was I was thrilled uh, when I heard, learned the topic of this podcast episode to be able to talk about and contribute to it in, in that way. But I'm uh, also, you know, a lover of uh, fantasy and science fiction and narrative, and I've played some D&D here and there before. But I really like what you guys do. It interests me, and, you know, I'm just thrilled to kind of guest host on a new podcast podcast. podcast. Thanks,
1: Eric. So I feel like I have to come clean on the fact that I told Mitch this earlier, but I honestly have not read a single page or cumulatively watched more than maybe 30 minutes of Harry Potter.
0: And I told him he's got to fix that. I know. And it's not really
1: like this big aversion. It's just this thing that somehow hasn't happened. And you know and you feel like you almost take pride. Like, how did I avoid this pop culture phenomenon for so long? <laughs> I almost feel like I shouldn't. But maybe it will turn me in this interview. And oh, this, gosh. Uh, the, pressure, the pressure is on.
2: Yeah, man, Neil, I'll tell you, like, don't settle for, for the movies, you know? Like, some people just happen to... People who haven't read the Harry Potter books, like, they'll have seen some of the movies or all of the movies just because the movies are so much more available. Like, if you're flipping through channels on TV or, you know, they were... Kind of easy to catch in theaters. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, for like 10 years. (laughs) But I would say hold off then. If you haven't already been uh, spoiled by, you know, some movie, which is uh, only an adaptation, just ring for the books, man. Read the books. They're short. You can read them all in in a couple hours each, the early ones at least. Only like 300 pages. It's not like a new George R. R. Martin novel or anything like that, where it's going to take you so long. And the writing is very welcoming. And the world is so rich and also different and unique. So it's I would say it's uh, essential culture for yourself, but not the sort that you need to get on right away obviously take your time otherwise you'll you know not like it. Actually, my first experience with Harry was when it was getting really popular in the year 2000. I was in junior high, and I actually picked up. I was like, "What's the deal with this? It sounds kind of cheesy, right?" This boy wizard, evil, evil bad guys coming to get him. Oh boy! You know, read the first chapter of book four, and didn't like it at all. So it wasn't until the movie came out years later that I understood and got it and liked it. I, that may run contrary to what I was just saying about the movies and the books, but but definitely <laughs> read the books. Uh, read the books from the beginning. And you'll like them, and I guarantee it.
1: All right. I will have to get on that. Or find the unabridged audio version, (laughs) because I lean heavily towards that as well.
0: Those are great. I've totally listened to those.
2: Yeah, if you're in audiobooks, man, the US versions were read by Jim Dale, who you may know from a couple other things, Pushing Daisies or other such works. But the British ones are read by Stephen Fry. But yeah, go with with Jim Dale for sure.
1: Done. So with that, though, is there anything that you're currently working on that you want our listeners to know about? Oh, gosh. Lately, I've
2: been doing a run of guest appearances on just friends' podcasts. I, I really love doing it. I got to talk about my favorite romantic comedy, just last week because I was on my buddy Chad Hopkins Cinescope podcast and of course the movie we discussed was Serendipity with John (laughs) Cusack and Kate Beckinsale not sure if you guys have ever seen it (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, that's great fun. And uh, you mentioned in the beginning, I also, I edit for the Improv Star Trek podcast, which that is my favorite thing. I actually was working on it just before we started recording my next episode, but it's like an office comedy set in space. If you don't know anything about Star Trek, that's okay. You'll still enjoy it.
0: Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. So go check out both of those things. What is that? The podcast you guested on again, if our listeners want to check that out?
2: Yes. Yeah, Cinescope. So you can find it on Twitter, Cinescope, C-I-N-E-S-C-O-P-E. POD on Twitter.
0: If you like serendipity, go check it out. If you like serendipity. (laughs) And if you don't like serendipity, go over and listen to them talk about serendipity and fall in love with serendipity. That's funny.
2: No, I guest hosted there (laughs) once before I talked about my favorite sci-fi movie, which was Frequency. Ah. Jim Caviezel, Dennis Quaid. Don't know if you know, but there's an episode of that. It's like episode three or four of that show that I was also on. But so nice.
0: Check those both out. All right. So Eric, as we do with every guest in our show, We have a surprise question for you. You didn't know what the surprise question was. You pretty much just found out it was coming. So here it is. I'm asking you it right now. This one comes from one of our Patreon dragons. Blake Ryan asks you this, and he says that you get the rights and cash to produce a setting from a novel or a movie. What is the setting that you choose to produce a movie for and why? Whoa. First of all, I love
2: this question.
0: Yeah, I'm interested yeah. to hear if
2: you're going to do like
0: a reboot or something yeah. completely that hasn't been done.
2: Okay, so the question is what setting do I get to produce like yeah. for a movie? Yep, so I guess you
0: could even like take like Harry Potter and create your own like Harry Potter spinoff movie. That would be kind of cool.
2: Sure, well, at the risk of not going with the obvious, which would be, yeah, totally like... (laughs) Can't do that. (laughs) Definitely Marauder's Era. I would have to say I really want to see... They made an Ender's Game movie a couple Mm -hmm. of uh, years back, and I, I liked it. I thought it was really good. But the sequels... Really just blow me away. The sequel Mm. books, particularly the Ender books, because they sort of branched off. There's Ender and Bean. Each get their own book series of like four or at this point five novels. But what I'd like to see is there's a planet that Ender ends up on as an adult called Lusitania, and it's essentially, not to spoil the plot, the centerpiece of a new galactic understanding of alien species. And, you know, I'm not sure, I really doubt that, you know, an Ender's Game sequel, A Speaker for the Dead was the book that it first appeared in, then Xenocide and Children of the Mind were those three books that are set on Lusitania. But I I would more than anything produce three movies or more of those sequel Ender books set on that planet. They're really amazing, guys. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I was kind of looking forward to sequels for that movie.
2: Yeah, The one source of hope that I have with me for Speaker for the Dead as a movie is that Ender, the character, is actually like mid-30s in that book because he's been traveling at the speed of light and gone to essentially the other end of the galaxy. So he's 35, which is insane. It's like 20 years. But the rest of the planets, like literally everyone else, it's been 3,000 years for. Mm. It's crazy, but so they obviously couldn't cast Ace of Butterfield in that role. So Unless I, they waited know. a really long time. Unless they <laughs> waited a really, really long time for it. So Hopefully they don't wait that long. <laughs> Hopeful still, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's a really cool surprise question. I, really, I think that's a cool feature that you awesome. guys have. Way to go, Blake.
0: Yeah.
1: So with all of those questions out of the way, we can jump right into talking about Schools of the Arcane. And first topic that we came up with was talking about different kinds of wizard schools and their purposes in your world.
0: Yeah, I think that Neil, you and me were talking before Eric joined us. And it's funny because as avid D&D players, we hear School of the Arcane and we think Mm -hmm. the different types of magic used in D&D because that's what it's called. But no, 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 no. (laughs) With Eric here today, we were like... (laughs) Eric loves Harry Potter. We have to talk about like actually wizarding schools where wizards actually go to learn spells and magic. And so that's what we're talking about, which is awesome. So, yeah, let's brainstorm some different kinds of wizard schools, their purposes and all that kind of stuff.
2: You know, I, I just kind of wonder how different they are in the world of D&D. You were mentioning the different types of magic used, be it fire magic or shadow magic. Mm-hmm. I, I, please stop me if I say something completely stupid. <laughs>
0: i'm pulling <laughs> this no, out nothing
2: you've said is completely stupid out of a hat
0: <laughs> and, and that's the thing eric that a lot of our listeners are making homebrew worlds so you can name any kind of magic and there might be a listener out there who's going to go
2: that's the kind of magic i want to use yeah uh, okay okay so i can inspire listeners yeah to make, there to you put go that's what we're about. The-
1: <laughs> yeah because both mitch and i our immediate thought is the very pure mechanical perspective <laughs> Can't you know, and, it, and I want to break that and get into more of the topic? But the mechanical perspective is like divination, evocation, necromancy. But even if there were to be a school that existed focusing only on those one things, it wouldn't function. It wouldn't exist well. Mm-hmm. I mean, even breaking it down in the way that you just did with fire, shadow, water. Earth, wind, fire, heart, yes. But Captain Planet. The... <laughs> Go planet! <laughs> but even breaking it down in those more generalized fashions is more likely to occur than just the like strict schools, as it were, that are in the player's handbook. Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I was also thinking of Avatar uh, as mm. well, like Last Airbender, about how there are like wizards or the characters in there are sort of on a path to be either a waterbender, a firebender, a airbender. Like, their specialty is in one of those, is yeah. in one of the elements, but not in all of them. Mm. The interesting thing about J.K. Rowling's world, and J.K. Rowling essentially was, I believe, quite aware of what had come before in terms of wizard schools, both in, you know, English literature, American literature, but things like d and I think, had to have... She did her research. She spent about 10 years researching before the first book was even published. And, you know, so what you get actually is, is some similar subjects that are touched on. You mentioned divination. Divination is a school subject yep. for Harry Potter and his friends. They, they actually begin learning it in their third year of school a third of 7 years of school so they're 13 years old when they start taking it but divination and all of the branches of the magic in J.K. Rowling's world are presented as school subjects just like you'd take you know geometry mm-hmm. trigonometry spelling you know grammar physics all that stuff you know because it is a a wizard school boarding school for the younger 11 to 17 age range. Essentially, the seven years of classes, most of them are, in fact, all seven years, you're learning potions, defense against the dark arts, which are sort of light magic spells, um, charms, which are even lighter, to my understanding, astronomy, all, all this other stuff, is building one's knowledge in a particular realm of magic. However, the interesting thing about Harry Potter, and and I think this may come up in the upcoming films, is... Is that there's very little understanding or mention of a secondary school, or sorry, a post-secondary school option for wizards, mm. and I'd say it's it's becoming a very large, noticeable void for J.K. Rowling's world because there's less known about you know what you really do. After you leave Hogwarts, yeah. and there, there are these Dark Wizard catchers, for instance, named Aurors, who you know work at the Ministry of Magic and track down and defeat Dark Wizards. However, there's you know, and, and you can assume that they get some tr- some additional training outside of whatever happened at Hogwarts, but it's not really specifically mentioned. And so, essentially, we understand that in the world of J.K. Rowling, students get the level of education that is. Uh, it's like college prep, right? But there's no college. It's like, <laughs> it's it's good enough, your basic level to go out into the world and be able to like live, right? It's not advanced survival skills, but it's like, like this is going to get you by.
0: Yeah. And it almost seems like from knowing the world, like, I, I guess I always took it as, once you're done with school, if you want to become a more powerful wizard and have more prowess in casting spells, that's on you. That's on you to train yourself, to study yourself. Um, and, and yeah, we haven't seen, uh, at least I am unaware of any sort of like wizarding college. But like if you're making your own world, your own homebrew world, like these are some things that you can look at and go, oh, but in my world. I'm going to have wizard colleges, or maybe even in your world, there are no schools for the younger kids. Maybe it is all wizard colleges that you need to be of a certain age to go to. Eric, you brought up something that I really wanted to kind of talk a little bit more in a sense of making homebrew worlds uh, wizard schools is that you brought up. I mean, Harry Potter is a great place to draw inspiration from. Like you said, in Harry Potter, there's different Classes that are focused on different types of magic, charms, uh, divination. Uh, In in Dungeons and Dragons, you have different schools of magic as well, going from evocation, divination, illusion, all of those kind of things. And so I think one thing that uh, you need to ask yourself, and maybe the answer is yes to both, is uh, are there schools that are specific to one type of magic? And the answer can be, yeah, there are schools that focus completely on one type of magic and say, we're going to make you the most powerful illusionist ever. Or are there schools that have classes for every single type of magic and maybe some students excel in different sorts and are... We have one student who goes to evocation, is really awful at it, but he's really good at divination spells and able to cast that. And that's where kind of his specialization goes into.
1: But that goes back to, again, using the mechanical stuff in the player's handbook. And I don't know why it trips me out so much to hear that there's not college in the world of Harry Potter. Like It does (laughs) seem really weird from someone on the outside looking in, but it's almost like you get this broad perspective. And then as a character, you can choose to focus on a certain school of magic at the cost of getting rid of another one. And it's just an interesting concept to have the idea of these schools existing in your world, but then having those schools also hate other schools, <laughs> which I mean, it's a thing and it's going to happen. You know, essentially, if you're going to go into this, you're giving up this other school, but you could also make it the inside of your world that that is a rivalry that exists rather than just a thing you don't do. And that definitely exists, to bring it
2: back to Harry Potter, like Very in Harry much. Potter, because, you know, J.K. Rowling used a British boarding school model for Hogwarts, and there's more than one school in Europe for wizards. There's Beauxbatons in France and Durmstrang in Germany, mm-hmm. and there is a school rivalry between them, or, you know, just different opinions, but it's a wide, wide, wide world, and, you know, the rumor about Durmstrang, for instance, is that they're sort of shady or shadier... Dark wizards, yeah. Precisely, (laughs) yeah, Mitch is
0: red. What is it that they say that more dark wizards come out of Durmstrang than any other school? Is that
2: kind of the... The rumor that's passed around they say that for Slytherin house in Hogwarts oh actually. that's true that's true yes but Durmstrang yes Durmstrang was the school that Grindelwald yep. was the big big bad villain in the Fantastic Beasts series which is finally getting its you know the limelight Grindelwald is was the big bad guy before Voldemort and he came from Durmstrang and actually had a, a great deal of influence I think over a lot of the staff and students for a period of time at Durmstrang. So it's it's sort of, I should say, fallen from, from grace because of yeah. the time that he spent there.
0: And even the headmaster that you get in the books, Karkaroff, is mm. definitely, like, he has the mark of a Death Eater, one of the followers of Lord Voldemort. He's a coward when we reach, reach him in the book, but there wasn't his past, a dark past, and he's definitely dabbled, at least dabbled in the dark arts
2: Yeah, and I will say, too, what we were talking about, independent study, and, you know, how once you leave school, it's on you, there are great examples in Harry Potter of when that's the case, and in fact, that is indeed the way to go, at least if you're a character like Dumbledore, for instance, or Voldemort. In fact, both of them had extensive periods of time in their history where they were said to be traveling, and it's intentionally vague. You know, Dumbledore was renowned from a young age, and the greatest thinkers, the greatest minds regularly corresponded with him and so he happens to be you know friends with in the first book a character called Nicholas Flamel who's actually a real life or real mythical character who is over 600 years old but so Dumbledore you know really gets a lot of his skill I should preface by saying Dumbledore and Voldemort are basically the most powerful wizards you'll find in (laughs) Harry Potter but uh, he gets a lot of his skill and knowledge from this impression that he's researched a lot and Voldemort In particular, the sort of dark magic that he is doing and has done is greater than and more powerful than anyone else has ever done before. And the reason for that is later explained, I won't spoil it, to just be the fact that he was going and pushing the envelope. Essentially, you 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 have some basic rules of magic, which will you know affect any DM you know working to decide what the rules are, what you can and can't do. If it's like the genie in Aladdin, and there's absolutely no bringing anybody back from the dead, you know what the afterlife looks like. All of this type of stuff factored into Voldemort and his ability to prolong his own life or never die. Mm. Um, and so it's it's all about this sort of independent study and going off, and the the idea that you're able to, like in Lord of the Rings, you know, go into this ancient place, this ancient castle, and and find and discover something. Long hidden secrets that are just buried underneath tons of rock, or something like that.
0: I really like the idea of different kinds of wizard schools having different purposes behind them beyond just uh, bringing up uh, young wizards or if it's college, like older like wizards to learn different kinds of spells. I mean, we kind of see a little bit of something like that in Harry Potter with like the differences between the schools and also even within Hogwarts itself uh, the different houses like you said before, Slytherin, lots of dark wizards have come out of it and so Slytherins they value power and Ravenclaw they value knowledge and you see all these kind of values that they have and you can have that be in your own world that there are different whether they're houses in one school or different schools that have different values power can be a purpose behind a school knowledge itself like seeking out knowledge whether it's secret knowledge or just building on the knowledge that the school has available because we all know that wizarding schools have to have fantastic libraries filled with spells and secrets and uh, amazing history of magical creatures. But even like exploration, I think of being one thing. In D&D, you have all these different planes of existence. And I have to imagine that there would be schools focused on the study of the different planes. And there would be like doors in this school that go to different planes once you open them for certain classes. Just like, okay, in this class, we're going to go to the elemental plane <laughs> of Frost <laughs> (laughs) And ice, like that's what we're going to do in this class and learn how to survive there. But Mm. even like I thought of Doctor Strange, where you have this secret organization that their purpose is to build up wizards to be able to protect the world from forces that the normal world can't deal with. Mm. And a school that kind of focuses on bringing up wizards to be able to do a certain purpose. I like that a lot.
1: I like that this could be a way to work from small to big for what magic means to your world as Mm. well. Yes. Because you could make the decision of what does magic mean for this specific school? And the two thoughts that came to my mind were even in our own country, the difference between going to West Point and the difference between going to MIT. Mm -mm. And the reason you go for those schoolings could just as easily transfer to your D&D world. The reason you're going to the West Point, if you will, for magic is to go directly into the military. Then the reason you go to MIT is going back to what you had mentioned, Mitch, was figuring out and unlocking new forms of magic and learning and twisting it. From there, you can determine what does this whole country think about magic and how do they approach it? And then from there, the whole world, if you will, or if you even need to, because theoretically, if you build a school, I mean, obviously Harry Potter is a perfect example, my knowledge notwithstanding, (laughs) that obviously you can revolve a story, a very long storied story that has only like a school at its center. Granted, I know that there's much more involved, but at its heart is this school. So you could run an entire campaign off of the idea that you come up with.
0: One of the things that I want to come out of this podcast specifically is I want every single Potterhead out there to tweet at Neil, at JoteMoniac and just say, you better be reading Harry Potter by the time this podcast comes out. That's all Dude, I want from
2: let this. Let the record show that I'm not <laughs> pressuring him.
0: <laughs> I will pressure. I'll pressure away. You should absolutely read them. You don't need to rush through it. Neil, but you you should be on page one at the very least by the time
1: this podcast
2: comes out. Well,
1: I feel like Eric Eric knows that he doesn't need to pressure me as someone that's podcasted and been involved in the internet, if you will, for over a decade. He knows that the internet will do that job yeah. just fine without oh, his help. Oh, yeah, I'm so... Thanks,
2: listeners.
0: So we've talked a little bit about different purposes and kind of like a little bit of a breakdown of how you can make a homebrew school for wizards. One thing I want to talk about is different ways in your world, and it can be different for every single school that you make, that... People are accepted into this wizarding school. Mm. I know for in the Harry Potter universe, it's basically that if you have the talent to be magical, you're accepted. That's how you're accepted in, right, Eric?
2: Yeah, so it's based on blood. Like in the Harry Potter universe, if you have, I guess the way it's described is, you know, a drop of magical blood. So if you have magical blood, you will be able to do magic. You will be able to, you know, whether you're trained or not, you will find at periods of heightened emotion that that things are going to go crazy and you won't understand what's happening. So in the case of Hogwarts, what happens is, well, Hogwarts and presumably every other wizard school, J.K. Rowling's identified, I think, between eight and ten other wizarding schools in, in, in the world. But the way it works for Hogwarts, we've spent the most time there and she's answered this in interviews, is that there's a... Just a picture a large quill. Of course, nobody writes with uh marker or pen or there's no ballpoint. <laughs> <course> <laughs> it's, it's a quill, and when you are born and, and when you come into this world, I should say, this plane of existence to get all Lord of the Ringsy, but your name is written down by this quill. Somehow it knows, right? Somehow there's this magical force and it writes down your name, and then Hogwarts knows that you've been born, and essentially the way that Owlpost works, which is they deliver all of their messages, including the welcome message that you get when you turn 11. So it's like on your 11th birthday, you're 11 years old. Here's the letter that says you've been accepted to Hogwarts School, and that's if you're within the you know England sort of jurisdiction, you will get an invite to Hogwarts. And so there's no you know litmus test. It's it's just are you magical? And the interesting thing about this, and I, I wanted to talk about this moments ago too, is to what extent the magical world is visible and known to mm. non-magic people. In Harry Potter, it's a secret. In Harry Potter, there is a very distinct. Ve- between the wizarding world and the rest of the world. Wizards are actually much smaller in population numbers, and you know, it's a big, big secret that they're still trying to keep that wizards even exist. So, it's a little bit different too than ha- than having a world where magic is commonplace, you'll walk into a tavern or a pub and, you know, see people just doing, you know, parlor trick type magic in front of you and not thinking two things about it, you know, versus this sort of repressed or hidden type of realm and I think that's probably a decision you also have to make So what I'd like to
0: do is I'd like us to come up with, now that we've heard like the way that if you didn't know that wizards are accepted into the school of Hogwarts, I'd like us to come up with some. You didn't know, Neil. (laughs) You're learning all kinds of different (laughs) (laughs) Potterverse lore tonight. But I'd like us to come up with some other ways for different wizarding schools to accept students into their school. What are some different ways beyond a, like you have magical blood and some magical quill some where it takes it down, and they then they start sending letters your way. What are some other ways that people can get accepted into these
2: schools? For me, I love the idea of an ambassador. Somehow, essentially, step one is get yourself noticed. Mm. Whether you you get into a fight with somebody, which is typically how these things occur. I'm thinking specifically of uh, X Men. Right? Yeah. You, if you if you once your mutant powers manifest themselves, it makes headline news. All of a sudden, telepathic Professor Xavier, you know, knows you exist or can find you with Cerebro. That's a bit like Harry Potter, to be honest, um, where he's sort <laughs> Dude, of all-knowing.
0: Eric, we're having a moment here, because I was thinking the same thing. You stole the
2: words right oh, out of my I mouth. I love it. That.
0: I was thinking a magical type of Cerebro
2: as well, yeah. That's exactly it. So, Professor X, but so he knows you exist or discovers you, but essentially then he comes, and in many cases, this is something that is also not clear in Harry Potter. Hermione Granger, for instance, uh, has muggle parents, mm-hmm. and these are people who did not know that wizards were even a thing. All of a sudden, if she gets her Hogwarts acceptance letter there has to be like an extra piece of paper at least saying (laughs) oh by the way the wizarding world totally exists and this is not like spam mail like this is not fake at all but getting back to like Xavier you know we know with uh, Jean Grey which was adapted for film in I think the the X-Men movie that people pretend doesn't exist not first class (laughs) the other one the last stand you know he'll go to you know essentially your home and woo your parents Mm -hmm. into understanding that this wizarding academy or this school for gifted youngsters is in your best interest. Dumbledore actually does that with uh, Tom Riddle, too. You know, he either through hoodwinking or rational, logical thought, very little manipulation, you're essentially recruited. So it's the idea of these people coming out from these institutions and recruiting your agent for, for magic.
0: I love the idea of that Cerebro Professor X kind of like acceptance. In in my mind, it played off something like you have to have one of those most powerful wizards. Maybe he is just constantly in the tallest tower of the school that brings in these wizards. And he just sits there and meditates every single day. And you have like another wizard who's like just this young, goofy wizard who doesn't have like a lot of powers. And he sits <laughs> there and just takes down whatever names at whatever... <laughs> hour at whatever time of day that this powerful wizard just like <laughs> bursts out loud. And then it's like, all right, here's a name. Yeah, and then he sends it off and they have to go and find this other wizard to bring to the school. And yeah, I like that a lot.
1: Well, and then you could have it from there. If we're going to play off the X-Men idea a little further in, I think it had mentioned earlier where that heightened emotional state is what brings it out. You know, and you could have someone that shows up at the age of 11 or someone that doesn't show up until their 50s because they just lived a really boring life and something happened and now you have to have essentially the like wizard strike force go Hmm. out and find them after the the poor guy who just writes names down says (laughs) hey there's this guy out here
2: I'm imagining it being, like, an intern. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, some guy. <laughs> oh, uh, awesome. Just some pimply guy who's just like, one day I'll be in that position. <laughs> I'll be the most powerful wizard. <laughs> I also like the idea of there being really prestigious private schools that, like, maybe are, like, more prestigious than just the regular public wizard school. <laughs> and, like, you have to <laughs> pass, like, a test to get into. Whether that's, like, actually you have to learn a powerful spell and perform it and perform it the right way. And that's like your way of getting accepted into this more prestigious school. Or maybe it's something like in Harry Potter, there's different enchantments that like you were saying before, Eric, that the schools in different places in their world from the mundane world from our world. (laughs) And it would be cool if part of the test was just if you can find the school, you can become a student there. Uh, you have to go on this journey to find the school.
2: I like that a lot. Yeah, for, for sure, also. And if you look at Arthurian legend and mm. sort of classic literature and classic things like that, there is always this test of skills for, for King Arthur, mm. the sword and the stone. You know, and, and Merlin was not going to train just anybody, right? And there there's there's these rules set up and this system set up whereby only the worthy can proceed. You know, it's it's an incredible waste of resources to train everybody, so you need to narrow down the fold. And so do you go with something a little bit more Arthurian and have just one or two or an elite couple of people who are able to learn any magic at all? Or do you have the J.K. Rowling sort of way, which is, you know, everyone with magical blood. Gets in. Another thing that makes me think of too is Star Wars. We don't have, I guess, maybe in Extended Universe there's more of this, but using just the films as a guide, you know, an understanding of what the Jedi Academy used to be like. But I think Master Yoda at one point in Attack of the Clones, or no, it is episode one, Qui-Gon says to Anakin, you know, had you grown up a little closer to the center of the galaxy, your sensitivity to the Force would have been spotted earlier, you know, he doesn't say by whom, and he says, and you would have been, you know, recruited to go to the Jedi Academy, learn how to be a Jedi. And Jedi being a Jedi is like wielding magic and learning magic. But presumably there's a, a greater galaxy of Force-sensitive beings who aren't your typical, you know, young, humanoid-type character who's going to learn to be a Jedi, you know, and there's a wide range of people, but only some ever become official, true Jedi.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of the test. Whatever form it takes, I like it in a sense because, to me, that just screams... There's a campaign in that for d d already uh, mm-hmm. where your players are going on this journey, passing tests to try and get to the end, which is to get into this school for wizards. And then, I mean, once you do that, you can then start another campaign or another part of the campaign where you're part of this school and what are the adventures you have in that school. but. One more test that came to my mind was, you know, we talked about different types of wizarding schools. Who's to say that there's not a school out there that's hidden even from the other wizarding schools that is specifically set up to teach wizards the ways of the dark arts, the ways of necromancy, just evil spells that may be even outlawed everywhere else in wizarding communities everywhere, and you have to literally survive certain tests to get accepted into this school and maybe even commit terrible things to be able to get into this school. And there's maybe, I mean, I'm thinking of maybe there's a labyrinth somewhere that if you fail, you're gonna (laughs) die, there's gonna be creatures that kill you. And if you get through, uh, perhaps that's where the school is. But I like the idea of dark schools, schools that are focused more on being evil, just being like, if you live, then you can become a student. If you don't, once again, like you
2: you were saying, you're not worthy. Yeah, I mean, the stakes can definitely be higher than they are in Harry Potter for learning magic. That's kind of the cool thing. And when you're dealing with the more adult worlds in general, you know, if your players are all adults as well, it just makes sense to have higher stakes. And going back to what I was talking about with the world being either known or unknown, the magical side of things, if you look at uh, George R. R. Martin and the world of ice and fire... You know, magic has essentially been long forgotten mm. but it absolutely 100% is a thing that can rule day-to-day life for everyone but it you know a cataclysm has occurred and a lot of it is is forgotten and so when magic is you know but it's there's a rebirth and it's coming back into this world and and that presents interesting opportunities because you have sort of these different factions of people who either have been using magic all of this time, either on the sly or are discovering their own capabilities... For magic, like you have with uh, the character of Jon Snow being a warg and learning sort of what that even means to control animals. You know, you have a lot of opportunities for either sort of self-teachings, mm-hmm. one-off mentors that are going to talk with your characters, or, you know, either even if they're NPCs, you know, influence your characters on their path. There's a lot of really cool ways that you can have your character learn magic.
0: So one last thing that we want to talk about, there's so much that we could talk about with different schools for the arcane, But one last thing that we want to give to you, the listeners, we want to brainstorm some ideas for different locations for these wizarding schools. I think that this is one of the most important parts for making them in your homebrew worlds. You want your players, when they encounter these schools, to go, wow, this is amazing. This is a crazy place for this school to be. Or... I had no idea that this place was even here because it was hidden away somehow magically. So let's talk about that. What are some great places to place a magical school?
1: What do you think, uh, Neil? Well, I think the number one thing, and I think we've all kind of talked about it and hinted at it, that hidden in plain sight is by far and away the most fun. (laughs) <laughs> like it's just like oh here's this thing you ain't like going back to narnia oh the back end of this closet <laughs> takes me here oh, yes. yeah
0: a wizarding school in a wardrobe that sounds fantastic <laughs>
1: Oh, the, or going back to Doctor Strange, it's like, I'm just like, why is there this blank empty lot? And it's like, oh, there's not. There's this giant mm-hmm. mansion. And then Young Justice, when they find Kent Nelson and the Helmet of Fate, they're just like in a field <laughs> and they like put a key air quote into the door in the air and open it up. And now it's this crazy extra dimensional area. I think it's just the one that's the most fun because it gives that idea of it could be anywhere. Yeah, right? I think that's that allure to us is like, you don't know where it is. It could just be anywhere in your own town or in your own world. Yeah,
0: I love that idea for extra dimensional space, like you were saying. And that's a and d spell. I love the idea of uh, like the Snoopy's doghouse kind of image where it's like this tiny little shack in the middle of nowhere. If you say the right word, you open the door and it's this sprawling, huge mansion inside. Bigger of on the inside. Yes, yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> very tardisy. Yeah, I love the idea of a, a door in thin air, extra dimensional mm-hmm. space. I'm also thinking of drawing a chalk door in Beetlejuice to get to the afterworld. Yes, that's nice. great. Yep. Any of that stuff is just amazing. Yes, yeah, and it's and it's going to be like so rich just to play a campaign where something like that appears and you're just taking, you're just complete. All your players are completely surprised. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, we talked a little bit about different planes in D and D before. I thought that would be perfect. Where else to, like, put a magical school but hidden on a totally different plane of existence? And if we're going back to how do you get accepted into this school and it's you have to find the school if you place it on another plane of existence? Oh man, only the most powerful wizards are going to get there.
2: <laughs> yeah, the idea that some people could go their entire lives and never find it. Mhm. For Harry Potter it's interesting because there are certain wizarding areas like Diagon Alley where you shop and buy school supplies which are in London exactly like overlaying or completely on top of existing public world. That's yes. that's 100% mm-hmm. the way that works. But the schools themselves as a as the you know and they sort of have this uh this um this purpose as being a refuge as much as a school mm-hmm. for learning, uh, they are they tend to be f- removed from humans from general human civilization. Uh, Hogwarts is on you know one of like the Scottish moors, but it's very 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 like far away from an actual city or where a lot of people would normally make it to. Um, but in the case of Durmstrang, it's in like the mountains uh, and some of the other. Wizarding schools, Ilvermorny, for instance, which is the American wizarding school, gets named dropped in the Fantastic Beasts movie, is also at the top of a mountain. It's like Mount Greylock. And the idea is that, you know, the nearby surroundings are naturally so treacherous that it not only prevents just anybody from finding the school, but in terms of uh, the school's defensibility and to ward off attacks, <laughs> it also is very strategically beneficial to have a school that is that is removed, um, you know, and, and I'm thinking of some of the other ones that J.K. Rowling's announced. Uh, there's one in South Africa. Um, I think that one uh, actually is appearing in a different geographical location at different intervals, kind of like the Lost Island. Yes, y- you know, it where it where it actually legit changes its location <laughs> on the globe. Anything like that is it, for several reasons, and I think you know when you're coming up with a location for. A magical school to, to try and integrate different, you know, different ideas, but the best ones work for several reasons, I think, you know, there, there's benefits to being secluded, I mentioned, you know, both security and protection against uh, non-wizards, but also if you are, you know, in plain sight, there's some benefits, accessibility, and if you're dealing with different nations and different wizarding nations, depending on, you know, what you're doing with your world, it, it is beneficial to be easier to be found.
0: Yeah, and, and if there's no problem with, like, in a DD and d world with uh, that society has no problem with magic, like, why not? Why not have it be even the center of a city that the city and is culture. known for? Like, this college for wizards is the crown of our city. Like, we are so proud of it. We are so proud of the wizards that uh, come out of there. It's it's amazing. I uh, I also, to pull a little bit of inspiration again from Harry Potter, I know it's not the school, uh, but it's a tr- means of transportation. But I love uh, the ship that Durmstrang comes to Hogwarts on and it just dips below the ocean and it travels underground like a sub. Uh, I think it would be so cool to have an entire sh- a big giant ship that was a school and that school can travel wherever it is. You mentioned the the – Uh, the African school that pops around in different places. I love the idea of a mobile school, whether it's on a floating Island or whether it's just a pocket dimension that appears wherever it is that they're needed or wherever it is that they sense a new wizard or just somewhere that they know their enemies aren't going to find them. I think that's fantastic. So
1: with all of that out of the way and an awesome discussion. Thank you so much, Eric, for coming on and helping us out. And I may have already started downloading the audiobooks while we were recording. Yes. Hey, so, legally, I hope. Yep, you've done it. Internet, leave me alone. The last question we want to ask is where can people go to find more from you?
2: Well, the best way to find me is actually on Twitter. I am uh, at Spielerman, S P I E L E R. M-A-N. That's where I am, like, most often. And uh, when I'm not podcasting. (laughs) So, that's the best way to find me. From there, you know, if you ever want to message me, reply me for anything, happy to chat. Anywhere else, I have Skype, I have any other use instagram sometimes but yeah just on uh, just on twitter um but i i have had just an uh, absolute blast uh, guys so i will reiterate i'd love to come back on but this yeah this is yes, great definitely. we've
0: loved having you yeah it was a pleasure to have you eric uh, we will have you definitely. back sometime in the future Definitely. We've got to talk more wizarding schools, more wizards. That will be a great time uh, when that happens again. Uh, but until then, thank you so much for joining us on the show.
1: Yeah, man. It's been great. Uh, thanks, guys. Well, that's all we have for you today about the schools of the arcane. And like we said, it was nothing to do with the classic definition, but the awesome version. Nothing.
0: Well, hey. That's a bold statement, my friend.
1: Bold move. It had little to do with those. And thankfully little. we had. Oh, my gosh. We had Eric Skull (laughs) with us to help us along our way. And you never know, I might actually start reading Harry Potter now. Do it. Yeah.
0: Everybody who follows Neil on Twitter just constantly berate him with Harry Potter questions until he starts answering them correctly. It might be interesting to see you try to answer them without reading them, to be honest.
1: Yep, just fire off the cuff. I like that idea better. (laughs) But if you want to email us and tell us how wrong I am about not having (laughs) interacted with Harry Potter yet... You can always do so at DungeonMasterBlock at gmail.com. And if you want to show us some more love, you can always head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review, which we will read on air. And if you're from another country, definitely drop us a line and let us know that you did that because they are a little harder to find.
0: Yeah, we'll eventually find them, but it might be pretty late in the game. Let us know. It'll be easier for us. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. And you can like our Facebook page. If you want updates about the show, that's an awesome place to go.
1: But as we always do, and thankfully we can always do it, we have a Patreon shout out. And the shout out goes to... Remy Filodude! Thank you. Remy is a feared bronze dragon and tearing up the forums, hearing all of our bonus content, which there's a lot more on the way. What? And we just want to thank you, Remy, for being a Patreon supporter.
0: The Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows like the GM Showcase, Geek Wars, We're So Bad at Adventuring, and more by simply searching Block Party Podcast Network on iTunes or going to BlockPartyPodcastNetwork.com.
1: That's all from us here at the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all the people at the table. Good night and good luck.
0: Keep on Dungeon Mastering.
1: Ha ha! I googled that and stole it from someone else, but I don't even know who it was. <laughs> I know, I've totally heard that before. I don't know what it's from, though.
2: Hang on, I lost my trade of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: so sorry. Uh, in- this is the beauty of editing. The beauty of editing is we can make sure this makes it to the final... I know, I'm just Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That would be an interesting expel- experiment. <laughs> I also love your Freudian slip of experiment right now.
0: Oh, my goodness. Now it's got to stay in. Thanks a lot, you jerk.
1: <laughs> no, I can always pull that out and it can be a blooper. Calm down. Goodbye.